This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Her name, Sofia Fedina. Member of Ukrainian Parliament. She's also the voice of Lviv Euromaidan, and she's a volunteer for Ukraine's military. And when the invasion started, uh, on the beginning of March 2014, one of uh, military regiments located in Lviv asked for my help. And I said, uh, they gave me a long list of everything, and I said that I do not have money to buy that. But they said, you're a voice of Lviv, you're a Maidan, just ask people and people will hear you. So that's my work started. And she's continuing her work today, carrying a very important message for the people of Ukraine. Putin was very successful in making all Ukrainians to hate him from the bottom of our hearts. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP. In Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity during the Lenart Mary Conference in Tallinn, Estonia, to talk with a lot of different people, influential people from prime ministers to defense ministers to staffers to experts on security. Everybody was talking, obviously, about what was going on in Ukraine, talking about NATO. Um, One of the people that impressed me the most in terms of what I learned from her was Sofia Fedena. She is a member of parliament in Ukraine, and she's also a member of the army. She's a volunteer. And she talked to me and put into perspective some very important thoughts and and concepts when it comes to why Ukraine is fighting so hard to defeat Russia. You're a volunteer for the army. What what are you doing specifically for the army? Actually, I think it's better to start from the very beginning. Uh, During the Euromaidan and Revolution of Dignity uh, protests, I've been uh, the voice of Lviv Euromaidan. And when the invasion started, Uh, On the beginning of March 2014, one of uh, military regiments located in Lviv asked for my help. And I said, uh, they gave me a long list of everything. And I said that I do not have money to buy that. But they said, you're a voice of Lviv, you're a Maidan, just ask people and people will hear you. So that's my work started. And I'm kind of became an interconnector of uh, military needs and people who want to donate And then buying everything, packing everything, sending, bringing to the military um, bases and to to the places where they are on the front line. And then the next uh, six years, uh, before I became a member of parliament, I've been doing a lot of stuff as I'm uh, the associate professor of the Department of International Relations and a singer on the same time. I had a lot of international events uh, abroad, a lot of uh, concerts, fundraisers. Uh, getting money to buy all the stuff needed for the army. 
becoming a member of Ukrainian parliament became uh, a bit challenging as uh, a lot of people told me that I'm politician and then someone else. But I said uh, that uh, until the war is going on in my country, yeah. first of all, I'm volunteer for Ukrainian army and then everything else. Yeah. So all these years gathering, fundraising, bringing, getting somewhere out of nowhere. And so yeah. the process is going on, but now I cannot raise money as a politician. But I can connect people who know people and who know where to get what. <laughs> right. And that is and very, also bringing to the front line. Yeah, that is that's very important. Um, your your work on the front line, you're still doing that, correct? Now we need that more than ever. As on the one hand, we are grateful to all our partners for military and humanitarian aid. But the problem is to get the necessary things directly into the hands of the definite uh, regiments, definite soldiers. And the other question, when we get a lot of weapon, when we get a lot of serious equipment, uh, someone has to bring everything that people need every day, starting from the gloves, uh, anything to wash yourself and finishing with the thermal scopes, rangefinders, rifles, and so on. Yeah, so... There are so many things that are going on and so many needs for the Ukrainian military. But one thing I'd like to say is that the Ukrainian military has established itself as a perhaps one of the world's best in the last two months since it's been fighting Russia. Um, I've spoken to a number of your colleagues, some of whom are friends of mine. And they've said very simply Ukraine has been fighting this war for eight years. And when it comes to urban warfare, there's nobody better in the world because they've been doing it every day. And we look at what Russia has lost, just, you know, the, the, the people, just the, 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 the weapons, the planes. This is because of Ukraine knowing how to do what it does. How long will Ukraine be able to continue this uh, fight? And what's the plan to your knowledge? I think that we can view this in several dimensions. Since 2014, when we had only 5,000 soldiers to fight with the Moscow invasion, till uh, now when we've got, before the invasion, the full-scale invasion, we've got 255,000 of the trained soldiers. So we did everything to create the army. And as the army was created in the reality of war, so these are people who know what they do, why they do. And uh, after Bucha, Hostomel, uh, Irpin, Mariupol, Kherson, Kharkiv, Chernihiv, everyone wants to combat the enemy till the end. And Putin was very successful in making all Ukrainians to hate him from the bottom of our hearts. Even the Moscow language speaking people hate Putin and Moscow Federation. I think this is one of the greatest prerequisites of uh, a good future for Ukraine. As always, we were tolerating some uh, Moscow steps or at some point we were ready to agree uh, to negotiate something in between. Now, none of the Ukrainians wants to negotiate anything, something in between. We want to, to restore territorial integrity and we want Moscow Federation to pay for everything it did in all the dimensions of this world. So the how... second point, yeah. Sorry, go the, ahead, go ahead. The second point, it's a military point. I mean, uh, the resources. So 
the previous years for Ukrainians, it was so hard to get rid of Moscow army as we do not have enough weapon and instruments to do that. And unfortunately, since the last three years, we've been negotiating with Moscow Federation the majority of the most important uh, rocket pro programs, they were stopped, they were paused actually. But our rockets, Neptun, Stogna, Corsar, Vilha, Verba, they showed themselves to be very um, strong in combating Moscow aggression. And now is the question not only to get the military support from other countries, but somehow to restore these programs to have our own even weapons to withstand Moscow aggression. The third point is uh, how long and how strong our partners are going to push sanctions and all the other punishments, so to say, to the Moscow Federation. My personal position is that uh, it's Moscow Federation right now is Putin is much worse than Nazis. And the moment we do not stop them, they will go on a feather. And in case we want to get rid of this threat, not only to Ukraine, to, but to the other countries, we have to stop Moscow Federation as we stopped Nazi Germany in uh, 1940s. That means uh, not only to split it into different spheres of influence, but to help Moscow Federation to split into different subjects of the federations, uh, to get rid of the central powers in Moscow, but to give them possibility to be independent. And the last point, uh, find out the way to stop any military production and any military industry for the next, for, for example, 50 years. And of course, the reparations that should be paid by all the subjects to restore Ukraine and to pay for everything they uh, did. And the last point is uh, the Moscow Federation itself. Um, we do not need to, uh, it's very dangerous that many people underestimate the strengths of Moscow. And sometimes even politicians say that, oh, we are so successful in combating them but there are millions and millions brainwashed people from Moscow country that are ready to go on with uh, the war. And unfortunately, there is a lot of equipment and unfortunately they have a lot of political will to kill and to destroy. And that is a question of the unity of all the democratic countries, of all the countries that want to live in a, a world of uh, rules, generally accepted rules and to finish it to finish the story finally, because in 1945, yeah. communist ideology was not punished and the Soviet Union was not punished. Therefore, today we have this monster. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you about your second point. Um, you said Moscow has to pay. And a couple of uh, sources that I've spoken to have suggested something like the Nuremberg trials. Um, what, what's, your, what's your thought on how this this pay this payment this 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 um, process how how does it go what does it follow what format once again several dimensions because uh, Nuremberg process or Hague process or any other possible established tribunal is necessary for building the future international uh, system of inter system of international relations. It's it we need to have this balance of power. We need to punish an aggressor, but we all know that this process is very very uh, long and complicated. 
And on the one hand, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands today in the Parliament, he said that they are sending the group, big group of the prosecutors as having the Hague history behind them. Uh, to document all the military crimes, to document all the losses of Ukraine, to get all the necessary information to this uh, tribunal. But the tribunal should be one of the aspects of the payment. The second aspect is the payment that could be taken right now and on the spot. This is the confiscation of all the Moscow Federation and Moscow citizens' uh, money that are international banks that are in international companies we know that there are already arrested a lot of money that have been from uh, corruption schemes and these money should be invested into the future ukrainian uh, um, uh, support uh, how it's called uh, the so-called Marshall Plan for Ukraine that is being discussed, and they count they are raising funds for the reconstruction of Ukraine and to protect Ukrainian and to support Ukrainian refugees today. The third point is the question of Ukraine itself, as uh, unfortunately um, it's taking too long to take away all the Moscow money that are present in Ukraine right now, because all the Ukrainian money in Moscow Federation they have already been arrested. And Ukraine was uh, deprived of its money, even when the, there was a demise of the Soviet Union. Moscow took all our diamonds, they took our, our gold, they took all of the uh, money that were in the common budget of the Soviet Union. So now it's a question to return back. And the fourth uh, point, the fourth dimension, these are the reparations, post-war reparations that Moscow sh should pay. For, for Ukrainian people, as uh, the Germany did after the Second World War, and should pay for the reconstruction of these or that uh, um, cities and villages. Mm -hmm. Where do you think Russia stands right now, strength militarily? You uh, work with the military. I'm pretty sure you uh, have a good idea of what uh, their view of this is. But um, what, where does what, where does Russia's strength, military strength, lie now? Do they have any? It's, it, it's hard to say without uh, any hesitations, because on the one hand, what I see that uh, our army is much more, um, has much more experience, our army is much more effective. But the same as in the times of the Second World War, uh, Moscow has a lot of human meat and they are ready to sacrifice everyone's life for this kind of victory. And we know that the United States land lease for the Soviet Union was very supportive in, to get, in, in getting the victory over the Nazis. But uh, one of the greatest reasons why Nazis did not manage because of this millions and millions Soviet Union citizens that were sent. And this mass was uh, enormous. Uh, yesterday, I talked to my airborne force soldiers and they said that uh, we are doing everything. We are using different types of weapon, but you cannot imagine we destroy one regiment and on the spot, we have the next one. And they are going to the same spot we were shooting at. They're doing the same stuff we were destroying with our, uh, with our artillery. And they are coming, it seems that they are coming more and more. And that even uh, have not started the mobilization. Of, of the citizens of uh, the Moscow Federation. So I think this is one factory. 
enormous amount of people uh, who are ready to do what Putin says. And the country is not taking care of people. They are ready to sacrifice everyone. The second point, I think this is a nuclear power, uh, nuclear missiles, but even not the existence of those missiles, but the readiness to threat and actually readiness to use them. And unfortunately, I do not think that Putin really care about the response. He, he will not sacrifice himself. His family is abroad. He will be sitting in the bunker somewhere deep under the ground and the people the, the who will get the response uh, uh, consequences this will be the people of uh, the moscow federation he does not care about so yeah. this is a question what should stop him of using the most devastating weapon against ukraine or our partners and i think that might be the main question uh, the main uh, the answer to this question will be uh, the very important in to stopping this war well that's a really big um, thought there um, stopping vladimir putin and you know i was going to make that my last question but now you brought this up i'll just get you to give me a, a brief thought about how do you how do you do that how do you stop vladimir putin Okay. You will write that. I cannot answer. I hear you. <laughs> I, I I get what you're saying, and I think uh, a lot of people. You know, I think I think the main point, not to step back for us as a community of democratic countries. The moment we step back and we'll try to stop the war in that kind of peaceful or diplomatic means, that means that we push the war further, and maybe we will have the few years of. Uh, kind of peace or a few years of uh, some uh, stagnation. But then in, after that, we will get much more devastating war. Just if you have time, just a few words, what I think, why we've got what we've got. After the First World War, um, there were a lot of people exterminated by a big hunger in Ukraine by Lenin. He said, the more people we kill with hunger, with famine, the less we will have to shoot later. No one got punishment for that. Or people were, uh, other countries were telling, oh, better to have the case with the Soviet Union, but not with some unknown Ukraine. And the crime repeated in 1932-33. Then we have lost approximately 7 to 10 million of Ukrainians just because they were Ukrainians. And the Europe kept silence because Stalin told them that everything is okay. He was not punished. Therefore, after the Second World War and during the Second World War, deportations, imprisonments, Siberia, concentration camp by Soviets, they were not punished because they were the, uh, the part of the victory over the Nazis. And then after that, one more famine and several more uh, cleave clearance cleavages how to properly to say cleansing massacre, yeah. massacres yeah. of ukrainians in uh 2014 we did not get the proper response of the civilized countries boris johnson just said that till the last week in our parliament the Moscow broke the system of international relations, the system of international security. It's actually put under the question of this all the system of international law, but nothing happened to the Moscow Federation. 
and he moved forward. And I think this time when everyone normal in this world is united against this aggressor, this is the moment finally to stop it. Because this is not a case of the few years war. This is a case of the centuries war of the aggressor, mad aggressor against those countries who want to live with the human rights, with the democracy, with the freedom of choice and so on. And my husband, for example, is uh, on the front line in, in the awful places. But I would say the, that we have to go on and we have to push forward and to do everything. If, if my will to erase Moscow Federation from the map of the world. Sofia Fedina, member of parliament in Ukraine. I don't think anybody that I've spoken to has put this as bluntly, as succinctly, and as truthfully and as you have. And, and I want to thank you for taking time to do that because a lot of people have tried to put this <clears throat> into perspective from a political point of view. Some have tried to put it in perspective from a humanitarian point of view. Uh, some from historical point of view, but you've done all three. You put them all together and much more. And I think that is the thing that gets Americans and other people to understand that this is not something that you can walk away from until it's finished. It has to be finished. And we need to figure out how to finish it. So thank you for putting this together for us. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode. For freedom to remain free, we need to sacrifice something. We're now relearning that lesson. Jonathan Vasevyov is the Secretary General of Estonia's Ministry of Foreign Affairs, basically their Deputy Secretary of State. Uh, the war in Ukraine is not only concerning Ukraine uh, as a nation, as a country, it is an attack on the very core principles upon which all of our security stands. These notions of territorial integrity and sovereignty, especially on this continent of ours. If we allow this to stand, then no border is secure, no country is secure. That's why we need to defeat the aggressor now before the war escalates. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey, Cobra Kai fans. Come hear what Peyton Liss has to say on Kicking It With The Coves this week. Peyton plays one of my favorite characters, Tori Nichols. Our stunt coordinators came up with a sort of training background for each character. Mm, like, that's interesting. Uh, Tori had done a little kickboxing before, so that kind of came in when I first tried to take on Miguel and why I was cocky enough to think that, you know, I could come in here and I could just make an entrance. Listen to Kicking It With The Coves now at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast One, 
and wherever you can sweep your leg and get the podcasts. DMV Download, the new daily podcast from WTOP News is out now. Hosts Megan Clorty and Luke Garrett get the story behind the story. Every weekday afternoon, Megan and I will go beyond the headlines with WTOP reporters and sources to bring you more on the biggest local stories impacting you, our fellow Washingtonians. The DMV Download podcast is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. The DMV Download podcast is presented by Steamfitters Local 602.